Welcome to Direct-to-Video DVD Extras, a podcast between podcasts where we talk about whatever we want. Now, where's voice the acting on this thing? Going, I want to go back to voice acting for a bit. I want to talk about Alan Tudyk again for a bit. Okay, fine, but at some point you're going to have to get off Alan Tudyk. No, no, it's fine. Um, I just want to mention that I would pay... I would pay some large sum of money, like 50 bucks or more, to have the video and audio recording of Alan Tudyk making those chicken noises. Okay. I mean, that seems like a... Whatever, whatever it gets No, 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 there, no, no. It's not, it's not like that. It's not like that. I just... <laughs> I need to know, like, how into those performances he was. I need to know if he just walked in and was like, what, so I'm a chicken today? Yeah, all right, it's cool. So you want to see, like, you want to see video recordings. Yes, because, well, it's important. I like, I don't know if you've ever watched video recordings of voice actors doing their work, but it's awesome. Yes, I actually, I've seen some really good ones. I saw Mark Hamill doing the Joker. That, that's disturbing, watching him do that. Yeah, he makes all the faces, and it's, it's amazing watching it. I saw, um, oh my gosh, who's, who's... Uh, I can't think of his name now. Who? Uh, Parks and Rec. Andy and Parks and Rec. Oh, um, Chris Pratt. Yes, I saw Chris Pratt doing the Lego movie. Yeah, the hottest Marvel Chris. um, the directors, the, like, voice directors were, like, actually interacting with him to get, um, get reactions out of him, and that was kind of great. Yeah, it's... Voice acting is a very, like, they move a lot when they do it. Like, I got to watch some uh, behind-the-scenes footage of the voice actors for The Last of Us. A lot of The Last of Us was recorded, like, they were physically acting out what they were doing as they were recording it, because the they do they do the mocap stuff. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, and so so voice acting is becoming, I mean, it's always been a very kind of active way of acting that sentence sounds weird you know i I, what i'm trying to say is voice acting isn't just standing in a room and reading off a page like there's a lot of work that goes into it Mm -hmm. which is why i love this audiobook i'm listening to you to read by tim curry tim curry can fucking read a book man yeah oh yeah he does he does the he he does the mr pokoff perfectly (laughs) i'm Oh my god, we need to talk about that in a bit. But before we get to talk about the the, the stuff, the news, um, just finishing it up, I want to know if Alan Tudyk, when he walks into that booth to do chicken noises, I want to know if he just has a chicken voice like on call, like if he could just walk up to a mic and be like, "Yeah, chicken noises," and then do it, or if if he had to like prepare himself and do some vocal exercises and really get into that performance. Like if he needed to give one hundred percent, one hundred and ten percent to get that chicken out. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, you cut out really bad there. That's fine. I think I... you said exactly, and what I heard was that. Yes, <laughs> I said exactly. So, the a series of unfortunate events. They released a trailer, a proper trailer. Yes, they did. How do you feel about it? <sighs> oh, man. Oh, man. Okay, a couple things. The okay. kids... The kids seem very good. Yes, uh, from what little I've seen of them, what I think we talked about this, but I'm, I'm never on the podcast. The <laughs> kids in the 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 kids in the movie looked like um, models. 
that had stepped into the world of Lemony Snicket, like, off of, like, a Calvin Klein magazine or something. Yeah. And so they were, like, weirdly out of place. They were they were too pretty for that world, okay? And these kids just these kids just look normal and also like maybe a little bit lemony snickety weird. But they just they didn't show obviously they couldn't they didn't show a lot of acting in the trailer, but when Mr. Poe says deceased means died or perished means died yeah, and Klaus just says, "We know what perish means." His delivery of that is so perfect. It it was very spot on. Yeah, that I have to believe that their other acting is good. Something to note about that, though, is is if these kids are good actors, which I hope they are, um, this is going to be the second uh, Netflix original show with good kid actors which tells me that good kid actors exist. Netflix knows how to find them, and all of the other movies that have come out with shit children actors uh, have no excuse because uh, Netflix doesn't have that much more money than... I honestly think it's about being a good director because you have to be a director who knows how to handle kids. That is true, but... And, like, you can't... Because you can tell an actor, you're doing this a little too strong or you need to give more energy or something. And you say it to a kid, they're not going to, like, get yeah. it. Yeah. Because they're kids. Yeah. You know? So you need to... I I think... I mean, I couldn't swear it. I think it's about being a decent director. And a lot of directors just don't know how to work with kids. Yeah, and I guess when I said that, it sounds like I'm saying, like, oh, all of these child actors are shit. But, I mean, they are. But it's not... It is not their fault. They're <laughs> kids. They can only... Right, they're kids. They can only do so much because they've only had so much to learn how to act. You know, you can't just have, like, not every kid can just be Haley Joel Osment or um, Natalie Portman <laughs> and just, like, have had, like, years of acting school since they were a baby. Okay, but um, Mr. Poe never coughs. In the trailer. Which is the one thing that we know, in the trailer, which is the one thing that we know about Mr. Poe. I really hope he does a few good Tim Curry-esque coughs in the actual show. Because it's just the one thing we know about him that's a constant. I do I do like his actor's delivery of those few lines that he had. Oh, yeah, he was great. Yeah, like aloof, but also dumb. Not dumb in that he's stupid, but it, like he's slow, kind of, to, to the impact of what he's saying. It sounded like he did not know what to do in this situation, which I think is Mr. Poe 100% yeah, of the time. Yeah, exactly. All he wants is for these kids to be safe and happy. He does not know how to do that. They end up working at a sawmill at one point. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, he had a very timid excuse for that one. I'm watching the trailer right now silently. and um, uh, But here's the thing, though. I'm not sold on Neil Patrick Harris's Count Olaf yet. Yeah. He seems a little bit too jokey, and Count Olaf is Gary. Count Olaf straight up killed, uh, gosh, wait, I was gonna say, I think they go to the fourth book in that, because I've seen up to Shirley. They do. I'm trying to think of who he killed. Well, he kills uh, Montgomery those. Montgomery, and he kills Aunt Josephine. Yeah, he basically kills Aunt Josephine twice. Yeah, really. Uh, he also kills, he also kills Dr. Montgomery's, or Uncle Monty's, um, assistant yeah. though to get that job yes 
And I think that's it. But that's three people in in three books, so that's that's a lot. So I, there's a lot happening here. A Jim Carrey's performance as Count Olaf in the live action movie was fucking superb. Jim Carrey can tell a joke and be frightening. And the thing is, Jim Carrey just looks like Count Olaf. Yeah, really. He has that. I always imagine Count Olaf as being kind of this tall, very slender frame, and Neil Patrick Harris seems too short. Yeah. Well, and the other thing I was going to say was, like, Jim Carrey looks like the Joker, and I kind of see that Count Olaf and the Joker as having the same setup. You know? They kind of got to be. They kind of got like a pointy chin, and they're kind of gangly. And if they smile at you, that's the scariest thing they can do. Yeah. That's what I think. And Neil Patrick Harris delivers is delivering these lines, and they're funny. And I was like, haha, that's funny. And I was like, well, but should he be funny? Well, I think I think they're going to walk a very fine line here, but I feel like if they can... If they can have Neil Patrick Harris deliver these lines and then still turn around and be genuinely frightening, it would work. Mm-hmm. If they have him kind of really play up his charisma a lot when there are other adults present and he's not being, but but if he flips that, if he's able to convincingly flip that switch, yeah, that'll that'll be the test. I also think, gosh, what's his name? Who? Basically, your favorite voice actor ever. Oh yes. Um... Oh, fuck off. Of course I'm drawing a blank today of all days. But yes, him. But yes, him. As far as I can tell, he's a, he's a good Lemony Snicket. I mean, he can read the lines he needs to. I sort of, when watching it, I noticed that there was stuff that I had only seen in the um, unauthorized autobiography. Yeah. Like the code in um, Zombies... In the Snow. That was in the book. Zombies in the Snow. Sorry? The, the code in Zombies in the Snow was in the second book. No, no, no. Zombies in the Snow was in the second book. It was revealed there's a code in it in the unauthorized autobiography. I I could I could swear. Give me a sec. I got all the books no, right here. Because the, the code... Are you walking away while I'm trying to tell you about No, this? no, I'm not walking away. Okay, I could, but I'm... Because the code specifically warned Monty about Stefano. Yeah. So he never gets... He never de- deciphers that code. He's just watching a movie, and so he dies. Yeah, no, no. I I remember that being mentioned Spoilers in the book. Spoilers for a series of unfortunate events, by the way. Oh my god. Yeah, I, I want to know... Alright, so I had a big revelation the other day. And that's that uh-huh. if you've never read Harry Potter before, half of the Harry Potter movies are really bad. Yes, I was talking to my little brother about it because we just saw Fantastic Beasts. And the first one and the second one are good. And the third one isn't. I love the third one. You take that back. The fourth one is. Take that back. I love the third one. The third movie? Yes, it's my favorite of the series. You piece of shit. It's the worst one. No, it's not. It's amazing. That scene where the camera flies into the mirror is like fucking. Ah, that movie's great. Has it one of the best werewolf transformations in a movie since, like, a werewolf in London? Okay, ignoring... I'm gonna ignore the werewolf thing, because I don't... I just don't think that's how a werewolf should look. It doesn't follow the plot of the book right. Okay, so... It gets rid... It gets rid of... It gets rid of Harry's... So it focuses on Sirius Black, and it gets rid of Harry's... It focuses on Sirius Black, and it focuses on Buckbeak, because he's important. Yeah. It gets rid of Harry's personal, I'm 13 years old, and this is stuff that's important to me stuff. 
Which means that you don't see him grow as a character in the movie. And also, it gets rid of the Quidditch stuff, and it gets rid of the Firebolt, which was so important, they, like, shove it in at the end. So here's why Here's why the third movie is my favorite movie. Oh my god. I watched... Oh, i this podcast to the ground. I watched the oh, first... I watched the first four Harry Potter movies before I read any of the books. Oh. I got in. I got into oh. Harry Potter hella late. The fourth movie is fun to watch. It's got some great CGI in it. It's got some like great special effects in it, but the fourth movie is almost indecipherable until you've read the fourth book. Yeah, I think that was the one I was watching it with my sister and in the movie theater I was like telling her what was going on. The first two movies are nice. They're very pleasant. I think the first two movies are the most they're the most true to the books besides the last two movies. They're also very boring. Well, they have, but they they have to set up the whole wonder thing. How old were you when you watched this? Oh, uh, geez. I had just moved down here. I was probably 11, 12. You thought they were boring when you were 12? That's crazy to I me. I just, like, I get, looking back, I get they were trying to do that whole, uh, childlike wonder. But, but the thing is, is they explain everything. They explain everything. And in a book, that's well, fine. You don't you know what's going on. Doing that in a book is fine, but in a movie, it just, they went on and on and on and on about stuff that I just didn't give a shit about. Like, I don't need to know how Gringotts Bank works. I just need to see it be cool, and you don't really get to in the first couple movies. Hmm, okay. And, like, and don't get me wrong, they're good movies. It's I mean, just, that's kind of fair. It's just a lot of the setup that the they thing, do. I mean, again, because if you look at it, and and you're right, that works better in the book. But the whole the whole point of the Gringotts setup was to come back in the seventh in the seventh movie to rob it. Yeah, but the seventh movie takes the time to reintroduce you to Gringotts anyway, and the seventh book does too. I just and I like the Harry Potter movies; they're great. But the first two movies are very stale. They, and it's kind of irritating how very this is for kids. They are. I don't like being talked down to in my movies. Look, I'm I'm missing about half of what you're saying, but what I am hearing is offensive to me. All right, but let me just let me just get to why I loved the third movie so much. I mean, the the third movie genuinely frightened me. A, it genuinely frightened me. Like I. Like, even today, I still kind of, like, I love how... But that's the thing. The, the third movie, I mean, it had the Dementors, but the third book wasn't that no, dark. No, but but that, no, no. The, the, it, the movie kind of had no reason to be that dark, except that it wanted the to The movie be. isn't that dark, though. It's It has genuinely frightening moments, but when the movie isn't scary... Well, no, it it's is not the color palette. The color is very dark. What? It's like the it's like the new Superman movie. No, no, don't you fucking dare! No, there's a difference. No, just just color palette. There is no, 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 no. They're not Batman versus Superman. The other one. There is there is a difference. There is a huge difference between purposefully choosing costuming that has little color versus putting a filter over it so that all the okay, color one, you do have looks like lot. turgid Two, mud. We're gonna talk about costuming. They wear, like, normal-ass clothes the whole time. Which is great. It's the best. You know what's great when you're a kid and you want to believe that you can be a wizard is when wizards wear clothes that you wear. I can't hear you. Uh, This is so irritating to me because I feel like I can't express myself since I keep breaking out, cutting out. Can you hear me now? 
Yeah, but like, how long is that gonna last? Well, I just, I just realized. Can you hear me now? You're not responding, which makes me not know. I can hear you, but you got really robotic and cut out for a second there. Oh, okay. Well, I'm just gonna say, and I hope you catch this, that I realized that since you're the one editing these. I can just wax philosophical about what I believe and just let you react to those while you're editing. Is that mean if I do that? I really hope he's not saying anything important. Shit. You're cutting out on my end now, too. This is going to be an editing nightmare. Like a literal nightmare. Hello. Hi. Is that better? Yeah, I can hear you now, and you're not cutting out. Fantastic. What was that about? Uh, my, uh, other electronic device disconnected itself from the Wi-Fi. Awesome. So, and my desktop is Ethernet lined in. Oh, motherfucker. Yeah, no, this is bad. This is this is actually a nightmare now. This is I'm dying. I can hear myself twice. I'm trying to hang up on this one. This is All right, bad. there. I should be good. So it just reconnected itself. All right. Whew. This this is the darkest. Time you know what the you know, the best part about this darkest timeline was that it was recorded. Uh, I I can't wait to hear what that sounds like. I don't know, like how I guess yeah I guess we'll find out. I'm very sorry for everybody that had to listen to that. This this should not have happened. So I missed um, I feel like I missed a lot of stuff, but also that listening to that stuff might have made me angry. Well, you're gonna have to listen to it anyway, except now you won't be able to say anything about it. Oh boy, yeah. Oh, jeez. Oh, no. Just a quick kind of... I'm just going to... Like, my thesis, I guess, my my over-encompassing point Mm -hmm. is that when I went and read the third Harry Potter book, I didn't feel like I missed anything. Man, there's so much... No, don't get me wrong. There was stuff that was cut out, yes, and some of that stuff is important to Harry's development as a person, but when I read the third book, I didn't feel like I I didn't feel like I was left behind. Whereas I don't I don't feel like I don't feel like I should have this conversation. I do you know what I feel right now? Like literally disdain. Oh, disdain. I was th- I was thinking disgust, which is a, a different no, dis. Like like I am looking down on you for having this opinion. I don't want to feel that. <laughs> I'm just, that's just how I feel, all right? Well, okay, well, actually, this is a conversation I kind of want to have, even though I'm not sure I'll like it. I think... Um, but not not about not about the movie or the story, because I have very strong opinions that I do think that the story they presented in the movie was a lesser version of the book, like a worse version. Uh-huh. But literally just uh, lighting and coloring. Yes, I don't like the bleak way they make everything look in that movie. I have a lot of love for how the third Harry Potter movie presents itself, its framing. Their use of color, while muted and kind of... very, it, it is, It's very different from the first two movies, which had color everywhere, almost... To, but to no effect, though. Like, those movies were colorful, but the color wasn't used in any way that was meaningful. It was just there, which can be nice. But... The co- color in the third Harry Potter movie was very important to how the movie framed itself because you could always tell when the Dementors were around. The frame would literally almost kind of claustrophobically focus in on the center of the screen. Um, 
Well, I mean, that's that's something, but there was it's so drab and dreary. It looks like it looks like one of it looks like walking up a Skyrim mountain the whole time. <laughs> you know, and that's not even when the Dementors are around. That's just normal stuff, like when Hermione and, and uh, Ron are fighting about her cat. Or just, like, visiting Hagrid. And a lot of stuff that happens is dark stuff, but dark stuff happens in every one of the movies. And I don't... Like, I feel like if they had the color... If they had everything go bleaker just for the Dementors, that would be, I guess, visually satisfying. Like, you would immediately know what was happening because of this. But it was just sort of... It was just sort of a bleak looking movie. I, I don't and I think that made sense. They sort of kept it bleak looking for the fourth one. I think it makes sense in the fourth one because the fourth one's the one that gets real dark. I think you're actually misremembering a lot of this movie because I, I mean the I movie am. does have a very bleak color palette, but it's purposeful because there is actually quite a bit of color. I mean, the night bus is a very very purple shade of blue. Oh, dude, the night bus was the worst. Okay, I'm I'm sitting here. Are we going to talk about those shrunken voodoo heads? Because I don't want to do that. I'm sitting here, and I'm watching a trailer for Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Okay. And there is a lot more color than you give this movie credit for. I, d- I don't think there is. Um... I think I'm, I think I give the movie more credit than it deserves. The other oh thing, just this little thing, yeah. this really little thing, but it's it's a little thing. Like in my mind, it's a little thing. Like how Han shooting first was a little thing. So in that, it's not important at all. Well, it's not. It's you're right. Actually, actually, no, you're I have right. The biggest shit eating grin on my face right now. Okay, because because you like the idea of getting hate mail, or because you do think it's important. <laughs> no, because I'm about to say something that's going to be even more infuriating to you. But go on, go. Okay, no, okay. So, so the Han shooting first thing, the whole deal with that, the reason people got mad about it was that it sort of showed that he's a scoundrel, that he's not the greatest dude, mm-hmm. but you still like him. Okay, and this 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 just shows you what kind of person he is in literally the time it takes to shoot a gun. All right. Yeah. I think one of the biggest character moments for Harry, Ron and Hermione was when they all simultaneously attacked Snape. They only used the Expelliarmus spell, which is not supposed to hurt anybody. Yes. But them all three doing it knocked him out. Yes. And in the movie, just Harry did it. And it's not a big deal for just Harry to do it. Harry already hates Snape. It's so it's just it's just like a little thing that kind that changed a little of what happened. And the reason I don't like it is because there's no reason to change. I mean, they they it changed the a lot time. of those characters' personalities. I mean, Ron's usefulness in terms of how intelligent he is was dialed way down. Like in the movies, he's just kind of a bumbling idiot. But in the books, yes, in, and they, in the books and they he also has... dialed down. Or they, they didn't dial down as much as, like, simplify the fact that during that whole year, Ron and Hermione were fighting. Yeah. They, like, weren't friends for a year. And here's here's the thing is, like, yeah, these are things that were, these are things that matter in the books. But, the, but, but being in film, you're working with an inherently, completely different way of storytelling. And because they had already I, on the... I, 
absolutely don't believe that, but okay. In the first two movies, they already decided, you know what, we're going to be changing these characters around a lot. And they do. And they stick with it for the whole movie, all of the movies. But my biggest thing, and the reason I like the third movie so much, is that the third movie is, without knowing anything about Harry Potter, a really good movie. It doesn't need the books. It's just a good movie. I absolutely disagree. I feel like the third movie was the one that was so sure about its own status as a Harry Potter movie. Like, they're not not gonna make all seven of these. So then they went on a limb, and yeah, people who didn't read the book liked it, and I feel like it's, it's, I feel like it's one of the weaker movies, actually. When it comes to how they put the book onto film, yes. When it comes to well, here's the thing. how it is I guess alone. Is, I guess this is this is my hang up here. J.K. Rowling is a fantastic storyteller. Mm. One of the best alive and one of the best ever, basically. Oh, wow. I don't feel, even though she's like a pop writer, I don't feel like weird about saying that. Okay. And I'm not saying what she writes has to be Bible, but I'm saying that if you take somebody's work and she is considered to be one of the best storytellers alive and you mess it up too and you mess with it too much then you're already writing a lesser story not true i don't well okay this is i think this is our impasse then yeah well because uh, you is, you're is, what you're hung up on is that she's this amazing book writer and she wrote this amazing book that they then made into a movie. It's a movie. It's a different thing. And, like, yeah, she she did... Yeah, but you say that, but you say that, but I've seen a lot of movies that are based on... In fact, most movies I've seen are based on books. And whether or not they're true to the book, I feel like the just the fact that they're a movie does not inherently help or hinder them what what i'm saying is that the fact that it's a movie based on a book shouldn't hinder it at all it's based on a book but i don't want it i don't want it to be a shot for shot reenactment of the book because it will never be as good as what's in my head i completely disagree this is why i liked uh brotherhood better than the original full metal alchemist i mean i also like brotherhood better than the original full metal alchemist it's a better story i just felt like i had to bring it back to anime at some point understandable uh, so in conclusion, the third Harry Potter movie is actually the best movie. It's just the worst book adaptation. The third Harry Potter movie is bullshit. And it's not the worst book adaptation. That's true. It, the fifth the one is. The worst book adaptation is probably, yeah, I was going to say probably the fifth one. It's definitely the fifth one, actually. Because the fifth one is the fifth book is my favorite book in the series. And that movie is uh, Turgid Horseshit. I had, a, I had a hard time reading through the fifth book again. Because there are so many points in which Harry could have stopped um, Sirius from dying. He was just being so emo that he didn't get out of his own head long enough to save his godfather. It was rough. It was rough getting through that a second time. Yeah. I I read the fifth book a lot when I got my hands on it. Um, I think it's the one that I've reread the most. Although I don't own Harry Potter books anymore. I used to. They're not hard to find. I mean, I know they're not hard to find. I don't know if you're thinking, man, I don't know when I'm going to find a Harry Potter book, but it turns out they're super I mean, easy. I had, I had like, original bound hardcovers, and those kind of disintegrated so in my hands. I have, like, two of them now. I think I have six and seven, and there are, like, a couple at my dad's house. They got passed around a lot, so they're somewhere. Thank you for listening to Direct-to-Video VHS. 
VHS? Title card DVD extras. I have been your host, Tony Robusto. And I have been your other host. And, uh... Wow, really? I get nothing? (laughs) (laughs) No, it's fine. No, keep going. And I have been your other host, Andres. Prisoner of Azkaban is actually the best movie, Reyes. It's a long nickname, but... That's gonna be in there. Every episode. There's gonna be you saying that and me gagging. (laughs) So congratulations. Hey. You can find me at TheaterVats on Twitter with an E-R, if you please. <laughs> and you can find me at Royalty Valens. That's Royalty underscore Valens. The underscore is important. You can find the podcast at Direct2.video. So please be sure to check us out on iTunes, Google Play. Give us that sweet, sweet five-star rating. Yeah, I guess that's it. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs>